Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. And actually, it's time for Purple Access. Judd Zolga, Declan Goff, Chip Scoggins as we rotate uh, Tyler Fornis of VikingsWire.com. And Chip Scoggins starts with sports columnist every other week. And uh, Chipper, we just got back from two days of watching minicamp. We got back from, from two days of trying to glean as much information as possible before the Vikings now go on their summer vacation before they reconvene for training camp. So I'm going to ask you this off the top. After two days of watching guys technically not supposed to hit, um, <laughs> but, act, but but have, you know, what amounts to full off-season practices, what stood out to you from those sessions? Um, I think I would say, to me, the headline throughout minicamp and OTAs was just how different uh, – the defense looks in terms schematically, uh, alignments, um, just all the creative things that uh, Brian Flores wants to bring. But as I say, in, uh, so we were talking about it yesterday, and I wrote about it for Call Today, is like, it looks more creative, it looks more explosive, it looks more dynamic, but the talent level, uh, they're thin on difference makers at defense right now. Um, you know, offense, Cousins, Jefferson, Darisaw, T.J. Hawkinson, they have difference makers over there. If you remove Daniil Hunter and we can get in his situation, who would you say is a difference maker on defense now? I still think Harrison Smith can be. I think he was miscast last year. But other than that, a proven that you know right now you can say this guy's a difference maker. Who, who's on the list? Yeah, proven's the key word because I think it's TBD. Um, you hope exactly. You you hope or you need Asamoa to emerge. Asamoa to be one. Yeah. Um, you hope or uh, or Davenport think that yeah Davenport can you know because I mean he did have what nine sacks a couple of years ago, but then a half sack last year. So yes, as far as proven difference makers, and I took told you because I, I was watching. I guess what technically constitutes the outside linebackers doing drills during individuals yesterday you know you look at that group right now nobody scares you so yeah you're not wrong that being said the most important thing now is that some of those draft picks and young players they need if they don't emerge here it's a yes. problem that's 100 percent right judd they have to be right on those go on those guys i mean because you know when they turned over this roster and got rid of the veterans who play a lot of snaps, just by definition, uh, you're asking 
younger players to fill roles that they haven't, you know, they've either been special teams guys or backups or, you know, hardly used. Now you're going from, you know, a limited number of snaps to being the regular guy. And some of them are going to be able to make that and some of them are going to emerge and, and be what they thought. No one's going to sit here and say all of them are, but they need to hit on as many of those young guys, those draft picks as possible. Um, particularly on defense. Uh, and that's to say, you know, all we heard throughout the, the spring was, you know, B flow in his defense and how difficult it is. We heard, uh, we heard cousins talk about it again yesterday and you can, you could just tell the last two days, there were times that cousins looked confused and, and unsure. And he, you know, had a couple picks and balls that got batted down. And he even talked about, that this defense is different than others that he said. And so like when you come to practice, you're not scheming just to try to beat this defense. And so I think it opens itself up to making them look a little discombobulated at times. Um, So I think the scheme, I think Flores, you know, I think what his, you know, his coaching is going to probably elevate guys and, and, um, you know, help their development. But, they're still young, John. There's still a lot of question marks on defense. I think the offense is going to be really good. I just, you know, I agree. You look at what they have. I think the offense is going to be, as I wrote today, the minimum expectation for that group should be top ten scoring. And this is why they needed. I'll, I'll just uh, cite one player as an example. This is why they needed Don until to incorporate Asamoah last year more often. And like Kendricks was clearly slowing down, but I mean. It finally took an act of God with like four games left for Asamoah to start to rotate with Kendricks. I think it was the regular season game against the Giants here. But, I mean, this is why you need to allow those young players to be brought along with not with, uh, well, you're not going to play until you're completely, you know, until you're a completed product. So, like, I I feel like that's probably, and and Donatello's gone now, so it helps, but I feel like that's probably a lesson that they learn because there there shouldn't be the amount of guys now that they're going to have to throw into to the fire with no training uh, in the future based on what they should be doing now. Yeah, and and O'Connell was basically publicly begging for it to see more Asamoah, awesome, see more uh, Josh yeah. Metellus. You know, Metellus is the one that really stood out to me in terms of being that rover type guy that you're seeing all over the place safety linebacker hybrid moving them um they clearly have plans for him right i mean you know the latitude that they're giving him to move all over the place shows a, a level of trust and it also jumps out that lewis seen is the clear number four safety on this yes. roster right now yes i don't know i don't take what that would you will yeah. but he's he's the clear number four um I don't know what that says. I don't know if that's going to stay permanent, but throughout this spring, uh, he did not get a lot of run with the, the first group. Oh, no. And what and what Metellus is doing now, which is impressive, is what I think we all expected Seen would be doing. Yes. But yet Seen is stuck at safety. Like he's, he's stuck not, at safety, yeah. He's yeah. not moving around. He's doing nothing. So it's basically a he is the fourth safety, and we're talking base safeties here. We're not talking room to, like, be incorporated. Um, you know, he's coming off the broken leg. It seems like he's doing all of the work though. So I got to think Chipper that this is a little bit, unfortunately of a repeat of last spring where he's just not up to, up to the standard that they expect for a guy that they're going to get creative with. 
how much do you think Judd is, is, I mean, this is the, you know, two years, two systems and a lot of missed time. Yeah. Is that an excuse or is that an explanation? I think it's an excuse because Metellus is what a fourth round pick himself. Yeah. From, you know, a few years back and he is clearly incorporated. Um, and I mean, you know what? It might come down flat out to this. Lewisine might not be the player they thought, which is going to be a big mistake if he's not. But yeah. I'm with you. You can't you can't watch a practice there and realize how buried on the depth chart he is and not say, hmm, that's really interesting for a first-round pick going into his second year, who, yes, was hurt last year, but I believe yeah. before he got hurt in the first four weeks, Chipper had played yeah. two defensive snaps. And I'm and- – you know, along those same lines, I'm curious to see how this cornerback pecking order shakes out because we're seeing some rookies, uh, you know, run, get a lot of run with the ones, um, you know, Booth, Evans. I mean, how with their injury history, how's that going to factor in? So there's a lot to be sorted out. And, and O'Connell's mentioned it a couple of times. He said the same thing last year. He's like, the spring practices are for installation. The competitive part starts at training camp. I guess I'll buy that a little bit, but even when they're out there now, they're still competing for jobs. Um, oh, but yeah. I, I, think that, I think that the competition part is going to get dialed up real uh, real quick, real fast there in at the start of training camp and, and find out kind of how they view these secondary guys. Because there's a lot of – there's options. I just don't know how they – you know – how many good options are there are and how many they trust yet. I feel like what we saw the last two days though, definitely is the signature of how they plan on starting training camp, which is important still. Yeah. Yes. And, and it, it appears that in the nickel package, which they're going to be in a ton, uh, it appears outside Evans has a role one right now. Yeah. Yes. We all know Byron Murphy Byron Jr. Murphy, inside yeah. does, but then it was interesting that on the first day, it was Andrew Booth Jr. outside. On the second day, it was Makai Blackman outside. Blackman yes. is definitely the second on the depth chart inside behind Murphy. And as I yep. told uh, Phil and Declan on the uh, PD show that we did yesterday, I think it's interesting that that Brian Flores was in the room when Blackman was drafted. He was not in the room when Booth was drafted. Yeah. Well, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I guess Blackman uh, – you know, part of his uh, evaluation that he's an incredibly smart player. And that's not to say that Booth, it's not to say that Booth isn't, but that's just somebody was telling me about Blackman. And so he's able to, you know, this this defense looks pretty complicated when you just watch it. I don't know if it is, but when you watch it with your no, I think it is. Am- amateur eyes and the stuff that they're asking to do, it, it looks complicated. And this kid has picked it up. I say kid, this, this guy has picked it up uh, pretty quickly and he's enough to where, in the mandatory minicamp, he's getting, you know, first team reps. So that tells you how much he's able to process a lot of information quickly. So um, that's a competition that's going to be very interesting, uh, you know, come training camp. Because on offense, I think things are pretty well sorted out there. Right? There's no there's real not, competition. There's no road. And defense, eh, I think there's quite a bit that's, you know, guys are um, they're going to have opportunities to earn bigger roles. What would you do uh, to go back to the top of the show regarding the Daniil Hunter situation? Boy, this is uh, – it would keep me up at night. Um, he is a premier edge rusher still. 
Yep. If you look at the analytics, I know it was a slow start last year adjusting to that, but um, those guys are not cheap. But I would have a real difficult time committing to a term that would take him into his mid-30s. Now, oh, yeah. Agreed. Every every player, somebody's like, well, why don't you just, you know, why, why don't they give him a shorter term? Well, the Vikings would love that, but the player doesn't want that. Any player going for a big contract is going to want as many years as possible to get that financial security. And so – I'm sure he's no different. He wants to be paid like a premier uh, edge rusher and he wants, you know, a long-term deal that's going to add more money to it. So, but would you give him a five-year deal that took him to 34? Man, I don't know, Judd, with his injury history. That, that Quasi has tried to undo those contracts this whole off season. That's not been what he's given the shorter ones, kind of the prove it ones. Yeah. Uh, was it Ian Rappaport that said that they're looking for a, quote, Band-Aid type deal with with uh, Daniil. Yeah. I'm sure that's not – he has no interest in that type of deal. So that's a long way to say I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I would try to make a compromise in the middle somewhere if, that, if, if Hunter's camp will do it. I would give him a very lucrative three-year contract. Yeah. and yeah. But, but, here, but here's the important thing. So it sounds like because – because he's not young and also obviously missed all 2020 with a neck, which I'm sure scares teams and then missed half of 2021 with a completely unrelated injury. The, my biggest thing would be this, this would be one guy chip. I would be willing to allow to hold out because I'm not going to trade him for a fourth round pick. No, 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 no. I need him. And look, the guy has spent his career playing on bad contracts negotiated by his agent. I would allow him to hold out starting camp. And at some point in time, especially if the season starts and he's not being paid, he's going to say, let's get this done. Um, Because he doesn't have a long career left, I don't think that that would be a bad strategy. Because the last thing that I would do is, like, if a team said, we'll give you a fourth-round pick, I'd be like, no. He's worth more to me than that. I understand the reluctance to, like, give up a first or second-round pick. But I'm with you when you look at the pass rush without him. Yes. I feel I feel like I would just allow him to think about it, sit there, not get paid. And because at the end of the day, the contract that they signed is their own fault. Well, that's it. That's it, not Vikings you know, fault. That's the thing, Joe, because like, if you looked at their pass rush without Hunter, where is it going to come from? Yeah. And is I that, mean, yeah. And, and, and yeah, Patrick Jones. I mean, yeah. Um, and this is the, and I know there's a segment of fans that probably say, you know, trade them, rebuild, think about the future. And I get that to some degree. You don't want to have a, you know, a five year, you know, a bunch of huge contracts five years long, but you know, this team still has, as I wrote today, the top 15 quarterback, best wide receiver in the league, two really good tackles, a good tight end. They're going to have a top 10 scoring offense. Well, that alone is going to make you competitive in your division. Like right. you can win the division. So you, you need to have, and I think the defense, because it allegedly can't be worse <laughs> than it was last year. So I think you're going to see improvement. So it's not like this is, they're not in a position where they're the Chicago Bears of last year, where just, you know, exactly. play, play it out and get a good, this is not that. This is Sorry. not that. So, and I'm always, you know, nervous about, Given up great players because I think Daniel still could be a great player. I think he is. It's just that those two injury years really throws 
you know, this thing in chaos because, I mean, right? He was on a historic trajectory until those injuries. And so um, I would I would work really hard and really long and take it, like you said, let him hold out to try to find a solution that does not involve trading him for – because you're not going to get the value that you think, you know. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to give you one. Could you get a two for him? But even then, I think you still can win now. Well, that's right? a, that's, a, have... that's their problem, right? Like, yeah, it is. Like you just went through like this whole thing of because I've seen this uh, talked about and written this whole premise of well, if Hunter's gone now, you're rebuilding. No, you're not. You're still not. Tell like me. I no. would have done that at one time, but they didn't. Okay, so now if Hunter goes, it's going to hurt you a lot, but you're not rebuilding. No, I, you're you're going to make like are you going to tell Justin Jefferson we're just going to waste a year of your career or Kirk? I mean that offense is going to be good, and you had the best line. I told you I was going to steal it for my column. I didn't use it, but oh my, God. they're going to have to outscore their. Pro- I'm sorry, I should have played. I thought you're going to use it. I know. What did you say that they're going to have to outscore their problems? Outscore their problems. And I think yeah. that I think that's totally true. Um, but. I feel a lot more comfortable saying that if you have Daniil Hunter there versus not Daniil Hunter, because I still think no Aaron Rodgers in his division. I know there's a lot of love for the Detroit Lions, but if you yeah. when you tell me you have the offensive pieces that they have, as knowing all the problems that they still have on defenses and the unknowns and question mark, I still think they should be competitive and right there in the mix to win their division. And I think Brian Flores is going to do a very good job, but he can't. He has to be a miracle worker completely and back to your point i don't know who's going to get the consistent pressure now now they will have um you know basically what's go- going to amount to and we saw this past two days loaded fronts i i mean yeah, we're going to yeah. see a ton of pressure but yeah i mean it'd be nice to have that one guy who like you can count on and who has to be accounted for so yes. neil hunter in this defense is going to be a problem i think so i don't yeah. know that i can identify a problem other than scheme without him in this defense well, and you looked at the way, I mean, there are times that there you see eight, nine guys just crowding the lines. Like, that looked pretty good with Daniel Hunter out there, too. You know, because right, you'd be concerned. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just think it makes, you know, it's not going to be the difference between being, they're not going to jump up to be a top 10 defense, I don't think. Um, but just, but again, Where's the, you know, the balance between how Hunter and his camp feel about where he is? Because it's all about the market, right? He sees what Joey Bosa and all these guys are getting 20 plus million. He's at 4.9 million. That's a gigantic gap. Yep. Um, So how do you get that more in line without having to go with a term that puts him in his mid thirties where you may look back and be like, man, we should have done that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Last thing. Are you a little bit surprised? because I, I am, and I'm actually going to compliment him here. Um, Kirk seems very comfortable going into the last year of his contract, and I didn't know if he would be. And I know that we have not seen a game yet, so this com- could yeah. uh, completely change in September. But are you a little bit surprised that he seems so re- relaxed and comfortable going into um, the final year of his contract here for the first time since he joined the Vikings? I guess I would say no, because I, I – you know, I didn't think he would be a problem or disruption or let it, you know, become, you know, acrimonious. But I mean, Judd, he's organizing the, you know, the Jersey Day. He's taking he's at peace. Like he seems yeah. at peace, is what I'm saying. Because you're, you're right. I, he's never going to be a problem. 
Because I, I just think he probably realizes that he's in a good situation, second year in the system. He's going to have a good year when you look at the pieces they have around him. So he's getting a contract, whether it's here or somewhere else. You know, I don't think he's worried about the door is going to be closed on him in the NFL after this year if he's because this is I think he realizes that, hey, how many times in his career has he bet on himself in this situation? And it's always come out, worked out pretty good for him. So I think he, he I think the fact that he's done this a number of times where he's kind of had a bet on himself, you know, I think it's uh it's not a something that he spends a whole lot of time worrying about. Or it's not outwardly affecting the way he, he goes about his business. That's a good point. Thanks, Chip Scoggins. We'll talk to you on Purple Access in a couple of weeks, buddy. All right, brother. We'll see you, man.